Hi, and welcome to Captain's Corner, a podcast about community, mission, and culture. This podcast is a ministry of the Salvation Army of Tampa, where we exist because we believe every person can be the person God has called them to be. Also, please check us out at tampasa.org and go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Today in the podcast, we have Major Ethan Frizzell, Area Commander of the Salvation Army in Nashville. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to Captain's Corner. I'm Captain Andy Miller, and I'm delighted today to have my friend with us, Major Ethan Frizzell, who serves as the Area Commander for the Salvation Army in Nashville, Tennessee. And is, so, so this is a different type of conversation because this is a um, somebody who serves in a similar role to me, but I think you'll see through our conversation that there's a variety of ways that we can become more effective in the mission that we believe God's given us as a Salvation Army. So uh, he and I might get going here a little bit about the nature of the Salvation Army and how we work, but I hope this will be helpful to you. Ethan, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Always good to, to be challenged by you. Oh, that's right. We Well, anybody who had a conversation with you is challenged, so I hope our listeners <laughs> are challenged too. So, you know, it it's a good opportunity for us to be able to think about our mission and the way that we go about it. And we, you know, you and I have subtle differences, but I think we've taken the forms of our mission and are adapting them in creative ways based on our own concept, uh, by, by, by in, our, in our own context, I mean. So, Ethan, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? And I know you've been had a lot of appointments before uh, Nashville, but just tell us a little bit who you are. So Sue and I have two children, Kanan and Haley. Kanan is a music major at Trevecca going into his senior year. Yeah. My daughter Haley is in basic training, learning how to be a working dog handler. Oh, Sue interesting. and I have lived, yeah, we've lived in seven communities in the last 21 years. I uh, have had some interesting appointments along the way, which we're thankful for appointments with uh, large social service ministries, uh, appointment to New Orleans after Katrina, uh, and appointments with CORE and wonderful ministries. So we've had the privilege of serving in, in several different aspects of the Salvation Army. Yeah, I mean, and I know I be, first came in touch with you while you were serving in New Orleans, and you, he said that right there, folks. He was one of the one he and Sue led the Salvation Army's work thereafter. And I can't help but highlight kind of like a really unique thing for you in the Salvation Army, um, like in the Salvation Army system, is that while you were there, you came in touch with some folks from Harvard. And um, even though you didn't have an undergraduate degree at the moment, they could hardly believe it. They invited you to come, and you ended up doing a, a master's in public administration. Is that right, at Harvard? That is true. Yeah, that was a wonderful experience. It's one of the things that often the Army, I don't know, that we fully appreciate the amount of experience that we get, wisdom we get, uh, by doing what we do every day, because of the way that we serve, the strength of the Salvation Army system itself gives us a platform to make significant changes within communities. And so when outside groups and academia looks at what we do, they're often amazed that our system can allow uh, officers and soldiers and volunteers to have so much effect. So with that being true in New Orleans, I did receive uh, that opportunity, and it really was a privilege to wear the Salvation Army uniform every day uh, amongst an international community, uh, paying attention to 
the progress of humanity at a, at a global scale. So you, you wore your Salvation Army uniform to class at Harvard, is that right? Every day. Well, aren't you good? Did you wear your hat, so. your cap? You know, I did oh, wear my cap. Oh, okay, uh, all right. I'm sorry, but I noticed Dis- you look You're disappointing yours. my father and my grandfather, as I am every but day as I, I'm walking to work. I will tell you that as the news cycle falls, yeah. uh, I was confronted many times uh, for both being a, a Southern Christian evangelical uh, yeah. concern uh, to, to just social issues around the world. And uh, that's an interesting place to be, is when very well-informed people from various countries uh, come and challenge you. So it was a tremendous experience and, and a privilege that the Army allowed. Well, and I love it. It's, so it's interesting. Like, yeah, you can look at going to Harvard, and that's a great kind of like notch on your belt, so to speak. But all education, I think, is meant to lead us to a place where we're supposed to be uh, use what we have learned for the good of others. And we look at that in the kingdom terms as like God's given you gifts and capacities, and you've been able to take what you learned there and like impact public policy in locations where you've been appointed, and now you're doing that here too. So I want to talk about a few of those ideas, not just that you picked up from your educational experiences, but things that you're doing already. Like one, one thing that's challenged me um, in your thinking is the way you think about the people we're privileged to serve um, on a regular basis, particularly some who would be classified, sometimes are called homeless, or we kind of put them in a certain category. Talk to me a little about how you think about and even think about naming people who we serve. What we do is we've been focused on reducing the days that people experience outside for the last seven years. So for us, it's always a matter of is how do you help people not live outside? Because the longer you spend living outside, the more likely you are to die outside. Mm. So we use a process that's a lot like your hospitality process, right? Mm -hmm. If you want people to feel welcome at church, uh, you pretty much have to be welcoming at church. And so what does it look like when we start looking at people as brothers and sisters, neighbors and friends, instead of only seeing them as their vulnerability? And so we we understand the heart of it. But imagine if you were a pastor, wait a minute, we are, and you go on Sunday to pray with someone at the altar, the moment of crisis, the moment of reconciliation, the moment of restoration, and coming up from that mercy seat, the only thing you talked to them about for the next three months was that which broke them in the first place. Wow. Unfortunately, we often do that when it comes to poverty issues because of our own issues of bias. Mm-hmm. And so one, we sense that is how do we do a poverty uh, experience audit, if you will, Ta- mm-hmm. looking at communication, looking at process, looking at environment. And when we started studying that closely to say, okay, what can we do next to reduce days? Uh, the science is very clear that there are four sections uh, subsections, if you will, of, power, of bias in the U.S. Uh, okay. based on warmth and competence. So of those four sections, there's one outlier even outside of the four section, and that is the word and the experience of homelessness. And so when it comes to homelessness as a society, we're actually willing to punish ourselves to punish people who are suffering the greatest poverty. Hmm. And the Salvation Army, of course, are the people who are called to love the people of the greatest right. poverty. And so 
we've just we've just are attacking that language uh, both as the Salvation Army in Nashville and the communities responding quite well, and not saying that you know not picking on anyone who uses the word homeless, but just saying do we have to use it so much? Yeah. If someone comes and stays at the shelter, I don't really need to explain that they had nowhere else to stay. Right. There's not that many people from our higher end neighborhoods saying, hey, can I please stay at the shelter this weekend? Right. So. Instead, we talk about the residents of the shelter, and we've given the, the, the supportive housing uh, colloquial name, the residences on Bison Trail. Why? So when people go apply for a job and someone says, where do you live? Well, hold back up, say, back up. I've, what do you, you yes. call it the residents of what? The residences on Bison Trail. We that's, have, where that's your address, right, where your, your shelter is? Yeah, that's, a, that's the colloquial name that we give. I love it. It. And the reason being is, is that um, we have bison statues right out in front of our building. Viking statues? Bison. Bison. Buffalo. Bison. Buffalo. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, keep bison. going. And, and because it's the old bison trail would come into the city. Oh, but I know you're you talking are, about right off the highway. So you, we can, if you ever, right. is it I, I-24 that comes through Nashville? Yes, I-24 and 65. Yeah, so you can see, if you're ever driving through that area, you can see their shield, right? The big Savage Army shield right there. And then on the other side... Of the road. Now I know you're talking about the bison. Gotcha. Okay, keep moving. Bison trail. And so that way when someone's applying for a job, they yes. don't have to lie. Oh, I love that. Right? If they, they say, where do you live? I live at the residences on Bison Trail. Do you know how much it costs us to put up a banner that says the residences on Bison Trail? Well, I'm guessing you got it for free. Yeah, it's $80. $80, right? so, okay. So for $80, we were able to change someone's narrative away from their brokenness awesome. and to their hopefulness. Yes. Well, that fits right into kind of the ideas that, you know, I, I talk about in holistic hospitality is to try to find a new way to describe what we do. So you don't walk into a social service center with a case manager who's going to take care of all your problems. And then people become objects of our charity rather than people who have a creative capacity to thrive in life. Like that, that we believe everybody has that potential. Um, but if we treat them like a number and we call them, oh, you're, you're number 132 because that's a room that you're in or bed 27, and not a person with a name um, who's created in the image of God, like, that can really dehumanize people. Another thing that happens when we dehumanize people is we treat them like they're a case, and, and, and we give them our, our, our pity you know, by us feeling bad that we have stuff and they don't, so we kind of throw it at them. And instead of realizing that everybody, I believe, has a capacity to move beyond the things that keep them from thriving. And sometimes that means other social supports that can support them in it. But I love that idea of I, I, I might go spend $80 and get a new new title for <laughs> uh, we, we say we, we've been calling our Red Shield Lodge the shield occasionally, but that doesn't do very well in a job interview. I'll have to admit that. So, uh, yeah, so, so, so you're, yeah, go ahead. So keep going. We're agreeing. Yeah, we're agreeing. It's, what we do is, is we start looking at every moment that someone experiences with us. So the moment they walk into uh, the Center of Hope, what is their experience? So we've removed all poverty language, all poverty indicators, any language that says no. We think about the language, we think about the quality environment, and we also think about the physical presence we're asking the person to go through. Okay. And it's interesting as you do that, we, we behave as if they are housed the day they walk in. Mm. And we use a housing language, and yes. we use the language of their aspiration Amen. instead of 
their circumstance. So this is like a, a similar to Pathway of Hope, but uh, which is a program that Salvation Army runs, an asset-based approach. Is that right? I mean, you, you're more, you have the command of this language better than me. But like you're starting with where people are and where they want to be and then, and then responding from there. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It, it, it is true. It's, we actually use um, community asset-based uh, tools uh, so gifts, celebrating gifts of the heart, the hands, the head, asking them to share them so we can acknowledge them and honor them. And, you know, one of the things that's part of the Salvation Army culture, of course, is if we appreciate someone, we let them do work, right? So how can we, we may not be able to let them do work because of regulations, but we can appreciate some giftedness yes. that they have. And so it just changes the language because then when you see that person, you're able to engage them on their strengths, and what a nice way to engage someone, Amen. or on their goals. So I just, we have just completed, I just emailed it to you, we have right. just completed a journal called My Story, and the My Story journal is a journal that we'll be handing out to all of our residents and community members, and it gives them the opportunities to start first by sharing a little bit of the story of the self, the same thing you did in this conversation. Hmm. And then it says, after you identify yourself, who is your other? Because we all have an other, and it's helpful to know who they are. And then how do we create in us? And isn't that hospitality, Andy? It is. Creating in us? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think at the essence of it is like, how do we, you know, the, the word hospitality comes from the concept of uh, xenophilos is the, Greek word and it's kind of a word that combines two ideas xenos like where you get xenophobia stranger phylos for brotherly love like the city of Philadelphia city of brotherly love so xenophilos literally is just love of stranger and I think like while there the concepts in general are just to try to think how we bring back a humanizing dimension to what we do again like this is not we people are not can't be objects of our charity and said like we we take this idea from um uh, in a previous podcast uh, we had a horse schultzy on who is the um ce was former ceo of the ritz carlton and he does this great thing as he trains his staff and now he's at the capella hotel group his customer service expert and he says um all everybody who works at uh, at the ritz carlton that he says we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen like that's the idea. Nice. So, so he says, you know, yes. I mean, I, you and I probably can't afford to um, go to the Ritz Carlton, but you know, the people who come are generally people of high material wealth. Um, but the people who work there are often, you know, who knows, people like me and you, or people who might be staying at the Red Shell Lodge. But he's trying to insist for them that they are serving ladies and gentlemen, but they first are ladies and gentlemen. So we've tried to adapt that idea here to say. We are people loved by God, serving people loved by God. To remember no matter how much people like drive you bananas and that they're really like coming from difficult situations and they're a difficult place in our life, still this is a person loved by God. And also all of our staff and our board and everybody who's involved with our work has that same love coming toward them. Nice. So we started that in, in part with I, uh, International Headquarters right now has a nice series of one. Say, say that again. 
we all have one life where we have commonalities, but also differences. And so through the journaling yeah, uh, that we do and the conversation we do, we essentially are asking them permission that we can be neighbors with yes. one the, uh, and the other, that we re- can recognize each other as neighbors. And then as neighbors, we take the time to ask them, it's basically a well-being approach, uh, which is will be the next iteration of uh, services actually in the U.S., uh, I'm sure. But we take a well-being approach that says, okay, of these quality of life factors, which ones are your priorities? Choose three and then put them in your priority order. And what we find is, is rarely is housing the first priority. It's usually some kind of belonging, some kind of trust, some kind of community. And I believe this is a strength of the Salvation Army, is when we gather people together, we're good at loving the person who has been outcasted and brought them in. And so this is just extending that as quickly as possible, is to say, let's start our relationship as if we like each other. Hmm. And has this, um, I imagine that this has led to some positive outcomes. Oh, we're moving, we're more moving more people into housing than we ever have. Yeah. Um, we have gone from uh, nine months on average to under 90 days awesome. and we'll keep going down. So, um, so the research is clear even before we started, the research is clear. If you give people at least three choices on their way to housing, they'll stay housed longer at a lower cost and remain happier in it. Uh, mental three health housing studies choices study that. Like three, yeah, you got to yeah. give them, well, actually three choices just in the process. Okay. Well, what do you mean because, by three choices? Uh, it could be what community do they okay, want. It gotcha. could be, you know, it's, you know, what kind of apartment do they want? Yeah. And, and what's interesting in that is, I give an example. We had a gentleman, his name's Steve, in the community. He had been living under the cover at the library for uh, five years. Wow. And we had tried for a year to get him to come in, and he wouldn't. Finally, it was hot. It was a Sunday night. I was checking on him. I said, are you ready? He said, finally, yes, I will. He said, but this is what I want. He said, I want to make sure that I can drink coffee at Starbucks every morning with my friends. Wow. I want to make sure that I have access to the library. Hence, he reads a lot. It's the reason why he sleeps under the cover at the library. And he said, I'd like to have housing relatively close to downtown. Well, come to find out, Steve had a retirement package that he had never tapped into within three Three months, he has more money than I do. Uh, he lives a seven-minute bus ride from the Starbucks where he still meets with the same friends every morning for coffee and goes to the library. Now, traditional model would say you should not be worried about Starbucks and you should not be worried about the library. You should only be worried about housing. But the issue is, is that when we stop using our preference and choices, and instead we recognize and celebrate their preference and priorities, then they move through the process much faster. And what happened, and it seems counterintuitive for people, but I can tell you our funders love it. Interesting. And so, uh, they, because we're moving more people into housing at a lower cost. Well, that's a and really so, challenging idea. Oh, I love it. You know, it's so interesting. Like, I, I, I love he, hearing these thoughts. Like, we, we've intuitively gone some of those same places. Well, I don't know if we, you and I both have been influenced by uh, Dr. Don Dixon 
and I can sense sure. like some of the ways that some of that language. And Dr. Don Dixon is the director for social services in the for the Salvation Army in the state of Florida, and really serves as a resource for us. And like if your people are willing to tap into it, like I imagine Major Frizzell and I are, we both were. You know, really gave us ideas to think in this way about. And, and like what what I think like what we're doing in a philosophical level here is allowing people's uh, autonomy if, if, you know power to choose and uh, direct their life to really be a part of their own recovery um, and, and this this is of course what needs to happen spiritually as well too is that people come to a place where they acknowledge that they are in need like in the sense that they can't do anything by themselves but there are preferences and things that people have in their life but they have to make that choice themselves and in regards to housing we have to be able to step in and allow people to choose to flourish um, we can't force it on people yeah that's absolutely true it's it's the old adage is do you want to be right or do you want to be effective wow interesting and the way that we do this work is we do not start with the premise that we are right we actually start with the premise of, uh, would you mind telling us who you are? Would you, can we recognize each other as neighbors? And yes. what would you like to, what are your aspirations with your life? Yeah. Now, again, all of that sounds warm and fuzzy, but it's all, it's all behaviorally informed. It's all reflective of Booth's first work in Darkest England. He has the same premise, love them in. You know what I mean? And show the Savior in such a way they want to meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so it's behaviorally informed. It's Salvation Army tradition. Uh, it's spiritually uh, wonderful, right? We looked yesterday at, uh, at John 10 and Jesus saying, okay, these are my sheep, but I have other sheep that will recognize my name. Mm-hmm. So how do we bring them in um, so that they might have the abundance and the fullness of life? So, and it's technically correct for HUD. We get, we got, we get near perfect HUD scores. Wow. So, you know, it's not like we're, there's any error. Can you tell people, the um, challenge is we're speaking four languages at the same time. To explain to folks what HUD scores are. So we get HUD funding, which is the housing of urban development in that we have um, you get scores based on APR and mm-hmm. based on, uh, sorry, for the, uh, based on your reporting on the seven elements. One of them is, is how long do people stay with you? Do they get proper service and do they get housed properly? And so the point is, is that we actually score very well in the, in, in with funders, um, who are determining how to move money. Uh, even on the federal level. And so, you know, because, again, it's, it, it's just honoring both the funder and the, um, both the funder, the Army, of course, the Lord, uh, and the person. And, you know, we don't have to choose only one. We just have to do the work of finding their commonality. Hi friends, I just want to take a minute here to tell you about the sponsor for our first season of Captain's Corner. Trade South is the Southern Territory's Supplies and Purchasing Department. They are tasked with resourcing the field with products and services at the best negotiated prices. This is accomplished in a two-fold way. 
to buy and stock products in volume, maximizing our collective purchasing power, and to negotiate discount vendor agreements that reflect the needs of the territory. Trade South stocks over 4,000 unique products in its Atlanta warehouse and offers over 5,000 more shipped directly through vendors. Visit TradeSouth at MyTradeSouth.com for vendor agreements, programs. You can visit discounts.mytradesouth.com. And I'll just add that Trade South has produced my two books, Stay the Course and His uh, Holistic Hospitality. You can find those there. And I always refer people to that site because I'd rather people leverage their dollar at a Salvation Army site where the kind of the net income is going to go to support the Salvation Army's mission. And so I just encourage you to check out this site. Jeremy Roll and his team have done a great job really bringing the Salvation Army's trade concept into the 21st century with their website and their great customer service. So check them out at mytradesouth.com. Now back to our program. Well, I know we don't, we only have a little bit longer here. I wanted to ask you just like, who are, who are the people, you know, one or two people who've influenced your life the most? Jesus, I assume already, but give me some other folks who have really made a deep impact on your life. You know, when I think through, I think of officers that were uh, kind when I was learning. So mm. uh, one of the key ones for us was uh, in that was uh, Jim Allison was the FS when we were in the financial secretary when we were in the Carolinas. Yeah. Uh, so he would push and encourage uh, for us to share more. Um, and so that was that was influential. Uh, another one would be um, uh, Colonel Vern Jewett and. Martha Jewett, of course, they were our divisional commanders for about uh, 12 or 14 years in different wow. ones. But they gave us room to explore. Yeah. And so, you know, we've had a lot of good uh, divisional commanders along the way. Uh, but they're the ones that give you some room to explore because as we come forward with the, the journal, when we come forward with other projects and programs, um, we have a lot of we come up to a lot of wrong answers. Mm-hmm. And so it's the people who've, who've given us some room to yes. practice, uh, practice being right. And, of course, I would have to say my wife is very gracious to, uh, uh, as we explore these. So I explore the philosophical side, yeah. and she tests them in service uh, and proves them to work. So she always does the, uh, the final proving, if you will, yeah, to make sure. them work. So right? the, the because theory we have becomes to, practice. Yeah, and it has to end up in a job description, and it has to be funded. And, you know, there's a lot of processes there, and she's much better at keeping those processes straight. Uh, so we're honoring the Salvation Army as well. Awesome. Well, I would wish we had, wish we had more time. I'm um, curious um, what you're reading these days. What are, what are some things, yeah, that you're enjoying? So, um, I finished uh, On Freedom, so I like Cass Sustain a lot right now. Hmm. Uh, he's a behavioral insight uh, professor out of the Kennedy School uh, in the business school. So he wrote a book called On Freedom, which I recommend to people highly. Uh, and what it is looking at is um, if people, if the complexity of moving out of poverty is too much, then we actually steal people's freedom. Wow. And so it's a call to look at the community first before you look at the person, yes. which again is oh, counterintuitive. Yeah, short little book, I recommend it. I, buy, I bought a bunch of copies, I use it as a case statement. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm also reading, uh, it's a book called The Vanishing Middle Class, it's from an economist at MIT, uh, but he talks, he does a historical view of prejudice and power 
uh, in the U.S. economy. And so what we're looking at is the separation of uh, equality, mm-hmm. uh, and we're doing that as we look at youth and social mobility. Uh, the, 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 the truth is, is we have so many kids that we serve that can't see themselves in a different future. Right. And so we're creating a, a lab, uh, creative workspace with arts and um, engagement so that they can start designing and gaming their own future. Oh, uh, on that. that, by the way, congratulations to you. I love using music for discipleship. Oh, um, good, yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for noticing um, that, w- that we've really started to use that language. I think it's so important for us to think about it not just as like, you know, trying to achieve a certain status, but all music in the Salvation Army is pointing to, I want to point to discipleship. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I suggest the same thing with like divisional music programs and all, uh, because there's both an issue of talent and character. And when you put talent, character, and discipleship in there, then we really see why people who are musicians within the Army flourish. Yeah. Of which, by the way, I am not. <laughs> and that's okay. <clears throat> so we have, it's interesting to think about um, character building. Like character building happens through a variety of programs, not just uh, traditional Sunbeams, Girl Guards, Adventure Corps, but character building happens in, in music. It happens in our orange curriculum. Um, like that's what our investment is, is to build people of character who God will use in our world. I, I just uh, finished an interview that will come out with this in the same series of podcasts with Dr. Brent Waters, who's an ethicist who's written a book on capitalism. And the you, you find it really interesting, similar to ideas of, uh, of, a, of how we get to middle class. So you have to listen, and this is my little tease for anybody else, to so listen to the interview with Dr. Waters, similar to what Major Frizzell was just saying. Well, I, we, we didn't get in any real good debates. I think uh, an interesting thing, that a little distinction that um, Ethan and I have is that uh, I think of the role of Salvation Army officer as, in, in a technical sense, um, philosophical sense, is that public theologian, that we're to be in place of, uh, in society, interacting with people at a variety of le- levels as somebody to bring the light of Scripture and God's revelation into the world. And not that you're opposed to that, but I like, I mean, it's, it's been helpful it's, to me too because I have to interact in the way you describe I think you think of it, of officership as being public policy advocate and, of course, is connected to the kingdom too. I'm not saying that mine's Christian and yours isn't, but that's, that's our little debate, wouldn't you say, Ethan? Yeah, that's fair. I'm very kingdom-minded, right? I know you are. I'm not saying you're not kingdom-minded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how I do it. I just recognize in order for, you know, thy kingdom come, right, is the state of both the country and international policy is done in policy arguments. So in order to be wise in the uh, the world, uh, we have to be able to argue with the world uh, for for that which we and the Lord would have us to do. And, uh, and I agree. I, I think it's good. The, the beauty of the Army, of course, Andy, is there's room for both of us, right? There and, is. Uh, we're bringing my tagline on my work is uh, Veritas, uh, Caritas Civitas, which is truth, love, and community. And so, um, you know, it just comes out in different ways. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, you going to Harvard, you get all that Latin in you. So uh, I just say forward to the fight. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Ethan, I appreciate your time. You know, I, I appreciate the way that you're willing to. I, I know this term is not it's not inside the box anymore. But you go outside the box and you think creatively about the nature of our mission. I just encourage you to keep that up and you know it benefits a lot of us. Even if I can't interact with you as much as I would like to on social media, I appreciate the way that you challenge the Army to be more effective in our mission. So thanks for your time today. Well, thanks for having me. And likewise to you and your family, keep fighting forward. We all appreciate it. Amen. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Captain's Corner. Join us next week when Stan Key, the president of the Francis Asbury Society, joins us. If you'd like to learn more about the Salvation Army in Tampa, please check us out at tampasa.org and go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks. See you next time.